What's up everybody, this is Josh from Practical Theism. Um, today, I wanted to dive into my testimony, uh, kind of my journey, my spiritual, my faith walk. Um, a lot of you over the past year have been asking about it and wanting me to do a video on it so you can learn from it, I guess, and hear about kind of my journey, my expression of faith. And I've avoided it up until this point because I really wanted to focus on some of the doctrinal things that really made sense in my journey as I understood them to see if kind of the channel would take any traction. Um, and it's, I, I have to say, it's really, really, really tough in these videos to kind of get the full weight and complexity of how these concepts really make sense to me. And I think that's part of the journey just with the YouTube channel that I've been on is how do I take all these high level things that make so much sense in my head and articulate them in a way that people can grasp onto. And it's tough to take a high level concept such as God and condense it down into a five minute clip or a 10 minute clip. It's just my concept of God and the understanding I've come to of who God is, does he exist, those questions that I've asked. It wasn't a 10 minute conversion. It wasn't like I watched a 10 minute video and all of a sudden I was like, oh yeah, God makes sense. No, it was like a heart wrenching three year process. Um, and uh, I wanna thank you everybody who's encouraged me to do this. I know this is a really good thing to lead with. And I actually like testimonies are a huge part of my ongoing spiritual walk, my faith journey because uh, testimonies were a huge part of what helped me make sense in a weird way. I'll get more into that. But what really helped me make sense of Christianity and, and the faith and the Catholic Church and everything. And uh, I, I'm hoping, I'm, I'm excited to continue to do videos that are more like this. You know, they're more focused on just this kind of personal interaction. You can get a deep insight into just how my brain thinks, how I talk regularly. It's not as you know, scripted, so to speak. You know, I don't have kind of bullet points. These are off the cuff thoughts. So bear with me as I share this. Um, but I really want to break up my, uh, you know, my, my journey, my spiritual walk, my testimony into three different parts. Um, kind of growing up as a kid, uh, you know, and, and the faith walk there, moving into the time when I was away from the Catholic Church, reasons why I did that, as well as my understanding and findings of that. And then what eventually became full circle and moving back to Catholicism. So uh, that's the format, probably be about two or three of these videos to kind of get through all that. But I'm hopeful to share with you some of my thoughts, some of my heart, and uh, hopefully uh, you are able to find value in it in whatever way you find value. And if you have questions, by all means, uh, please ask. This may or may not be as exhaustive as you want it to be. So definitely ask for clarification, qualification. Um, yeah, let's do it. So I grew up in a Catholic household, Catholic family. Now this wasn't, it, we weren't like the stereotypical, like hardcore Catholics, in my opinion. Um, we didn't always like pray to the saints. Uh, we didn't always like invoke Mary, the Blessed Mother. We didn't say a bunch of rosaries every single day. You know, we went to Mass every Sunday. We were not daily Mass goers. There were probably even days of Holy Days of Obligation we missed. I know for a fact there are probably plenty of Holy Days of Obligation we missed. I mean, that was just but we, we that was just what it was. We made a point to go to church every single Sunday. Um, now, save there were a few, especially early on, I remember we didn't go to church. Sometimes we had more loose lines of like, oh, when would we or when would we go to church? But... As we got more, I come from a family of five boys, as more boys were introduced into the family, my parents definitely made it a lot more of a staple. Um, they recognized that that was a big part of uh, what they wanted for the family. 
So I uh, went, to, went to Mass every single Sunday. Uh, even on trips, this was a big thing. When we would go away on vacation, it wasn't a time to skirt church. Skirt church was still a local, what uh, was a thing that we did. And so we'd find a local parish, and then we'd go and we would, um, you know, we'd uh, do Mass on Sunday. So, and even in the woods, we had, my parents had some, you know, priest friend, Father Valley's out in Bozeman, Montana. I think you're in Bozeman, Father Valley, if you're watching this. Up in Montana, he got moved, but when he was out here, um, you know, we got had a great friendship with him, and he would go camping with us, and then we'd say mass out in the woods, and um, it was cool. It was cool. It definitely instilled a, uh, a habit, you know, of ever doing that every Sunday to where when you had a Sunday you didn't go, you felt like you were missing something, like there was something wrong with not going um, on, on a Sunday. So you woke up. I, I never, it never sat well with me just waking up on Sunday and not going to church. Even the days that I didn't go, I was like, man, I feel like I'm missing something. So I think that was just the force of the habit, you know, the habit being there. And all of a sudden when it's not, you're like, what's going on? So we did that. I went through uh, CCD classes, um, you know, just kind of going through the motions of what a good Catholic kid growing up does. You know, go through, receive your sacraments, second grade, got my first communion, did first reconciliation. Now, my parents, even with uh, reconciliation and confession, we didn't go all the time, but they did make a point to go twice a year. You went before Easter and you went before um, Christmas. So the two times a year, my parents were like, we're going to confession. So we did. And uh, I went through CCD all the way through the Bible stories and learning more about scripture and uh, did the youth programs and confirmation in high school. And... Um, you know, I didn't really think much of my faith. It was just the thing that we did. You were part of it. You don't question it much. Partly because you don't you don't necessarily know what to question. And and I'll be honest, like no, nothing was really pressing me to the point. It was like I grew up in a very, I would say, even a rare circumstance where I had very loving parents, stayed together. Uh, they're still together. Um, didn't come from a broken family at all by any stretch of the imagination. My dad's been extremely blessed in his career opportunities. Um, so, which allowed my parents to take care of five boys, um, playing sports, grew up playing soccer. And, uh, I had some friends that were in church, some friends that were not in church. So, and, and they were the same. They weren't hardcore questioning things. We didn't talk about faith much. We didn't talk about religion much. And I remember going, growing up in high school and, uh, uh, you know, my parents started throwing like Bible studies with some people from the family fellowship group at church. And those were some of our church friends. And while they were doing Bible study downstairs, we were upstairs playing video games or, or skateboarding or wreaking havoc. Even though my parents would invite us to these Bible studies, we didn't really go. Um, you know, my, uh, my parents, and it, it was around that time I was in high school where they started getting more into apologetics. And um, let me see if I have, yeah, I do have it. Hold on. They had picked up these uh, study guides, these defending apologetics study guides. There was this little uh, scripture shorthand thing that they had gotten us where it's like, you know, this, it was focused a lot more on the, um, you know, interdenominational differences, but how to like explain and defend different aspects of the Catholic faith. And I didn't, I wasn't really interested in it. I didn't really, again, I wasn't asking questions. I wasn't, 
you know, it just didn't really, I wasn't resonating with me. I didn't take it very seriously. I really didn't. Um, I took it serious enough as just a tradition that was, it was like Catholic by nature, you know, just it was what you grew up doing. They also gave me a big catechism at the time. And because they were starting this apologetics thing. And so I would join in Bible studies every now and then. Um, but I don't, I absolutely don't remember taking it so seriously. It was just what you did. I might, and I would always tell my parents, uh, you know, when I would talk about other friends who weren't Catholic, the running thing that I would say, which some of you listening who are not believers or not Christians or not particularly religious would probably levy the same objection. Oh, if I, if I was born into a Mormon family or Muslim family, I'd be Mormon or Muslim right now. So that was kind of my justification for why I was Catholic, right? Um, I never really talked to my parents about their faith journey growing up. Um, about why they believed what they believe. Um, it wasn't until I was in I was in high school where this really started to kind of challenge me a bit. And it's gonna sound super shallow. Um, but when I started really getting into girls and wanting to date and everything in my junior senior year of high school, I was noticing that I was I was really attracted the girls that I was really attracted to were all non Catholic girls. And not like uh, non-religious, but like Protestant girls or evangelical girls. Girls I went to non-Catholic churches. Uh, for whatever reason, I was attracted to them from a looks perspective. And so that uh, started to make me kind of ask some questions, uh, if you will. I started to uh, I sort of wonder a little bit about like, why are things so different? Um, why why, why uh, do they see things differently? What's different about them? I didn't know a lick about the differences between Catholicism and the non-Catholic traditions. Um, it never, again, never ever came up. And even though I had these apologetics books, I had a catechism right in my bookshelf, I never did anything about it. I never really researched. Um, even scripture reading, I mean, I, I learned about Bible stories and whatnot in... Um, in school and in catechism class and CCD, but uh, that was where it stayed. You know, I, I was a good kid growing up. I never, uh, I, I was always um, helpful. I was, I was definitely a people pleaser. I was a lot quieter. I wasn't as talkative as I am now, probably because I have more to talk about now, but people knew me as kind of the nice, quiet kid, the one who kind of maintained the peace. Um, I distinctly remember um, a buddy of mine growing up, Joey, Joey Rosinski. If you're out there, bud, I've thought about you a couple times over the year, man. I hope you're doing well. Um, and he, uh, I remember being at the fish fry one time at church, and he had made the comment, he's like, I bet you're the quiet one or something like that. Or, you know, I bet you're the, the peacekeeper. And I was like, yeah, I, I kind of am. I, I'm not the one to rock the boat. I had brothers. Some of my brothers were hotheads, and so they were the ones that were always getting into trouble. I was always the one that was like, I want to do my chores. I want to help mom out. Like, it was a genuinely helpful kid, I guess. Um, then I started getting into girls, like I mentioned, uh, that were non-Catholic. And uh, this really came to a head. My parents were very strict on my dating life and on the kids' dating life. She, they were very strict on no one-on-one -on -one dates until you were 18. That was kind of their big rule. You know, when you're 13, you do a promise. Uh, yeah, they would sit us down. They took us to dinner. We thought it was cool because we got to go to dinner with mom and dad. And... Um, they had gave us a promise ring, right, for chastity, and uh, and that was pretty cool. So I had this promise ring that I would wear. I lost it like four times, not necessarily the chastity part, but 
the uh, the promise ring. I had to get placements for it, but it was definitely something that was it meant a lot and it was instilled in me. Um, and those values and those morals really were instilled in me from a very early age. Not just about like sex and chastity and things like that, but uh, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You know, just good moral ethics, tell the truth, integrity, that sort of thing. And it wasn't until I was in college when I was really dating a lot more so, obviously. I would go out on dates more regularly, um, and all the girls that I would date, practically all the girls I was dating, were uh, evangelical in nature. And uh, so they would naturally, I remember one of my long-term girlfriends um, before my wife, she uh, was going to a Pentecostal church, uh, and I would go with her to her services. Um, and there was only one time she would never really come to Catholic Mass. She just didn't really resonate with her. But I would go to her Pentecostal services. And I loved them. They, they were great people. And the music was on. And I just loved listening to the worship music. And the preachers were so different than what I would get at, uh, <laughs> than what I would get at, uh, at Mass sometimes. And so I just felt like I was, I was being fed more there, right? And uh, that's really important a minute. And these apologetics books in the catechism are really important too. Along with uh, the time when my parents gave me the apologetics books in the Catholic, the catechism, they also um, gave me uh, a uh, three-volume set of the Faith of Our Early Fathers, the Faith of Our Fathers books by William Jurgens. Now, these were uh, chosen excerpts from the early church fathers all through the 7th or 8th century and uh, the Nicene fathers. And they, uh, like everybody, every writing of Christianity pretty much from uh, just after the biblical books were written uh, had excerpts from that. And it was interesting, but I never, ever touched them, never touched them. And I was like, I'm never going to read these. They're like literally this thick. They are huge books. Never going to read them. So they just sat on my shelf with my catechism and my apologetics books. And then when I started dating these not evangelical girls, I started looking at the apologetic sheet. I was like, huh, I wonder. I'm curious. I started reading like the biblical defenses for the different things. And I was like, okay, for, that was my first encounter with apologetics. And so I was dating that uh, girl who went to a Pentecostal church. And I really enjoyed it. And I had some conversations mo uh, with her mom and her as well. She didn't really know the differences either. Her mom was a lapsed Catholic, uh, no, grew up Catholic, didn't go to one anymore. Her uncle, so the mom's brother, was a, uh, used to go to Catholic church, not anymore, now is a pastor of an evangelical church out in New York, I think. And uh, so strongly, very, very devout, very strong in their convictions, but uh, strongly Catholic. I, I wouldn't venture to say anti-Catholic necessarily, um, but very strong Christian. Very, very strong Christian. That was very cool. It was very, I respect that a lot, but almost uh, strictarian kind of puritanical uh, was the sense that I got from them. Um, but in the same sense, uh, very devoted, very devoted to our Lord. And uh, so I would go to these Pentecostal services and I loved everything about them. The people were awesome. Great fellowship. But even, I even joined, uh, you know, I was uh, involved in theater at the time. So I'd go to the local theater because that was actually where I met this girlfriend and uh, then I would go and, you know, kind of hang at their mom's Bible study that they would have that, you know, in the evenings and listen to it. And it, it always struck me, you would have these be around, they'd be doing prayer time after the Bible study. And it would be literally like, like 10 minutes of uninterrupted prayer. People would just be lobbing these prayers out. And here I am, I'm Catholic, right? I grew up and we're just like 
shoot our father and we're done. You know, I mean, it's short, quick, get to the point. And, uh, but this totally different element of spirituality uh, came into play when I was dating this girl, uh, going to this Pentecostal church. And it, it struck me. It, I, I, I'll admit I was, I was a bit, uh, like, I was like, this is a bit much. This is a bit excessive guys. Come on. Are you serious? Um, like I got stuff I got to do. So, but goes to show you where my prayer life was at. Um, and I just think we remember, so that a lot of Pentecostal charisms, right? Being slain in the spirit, uh, very, very focused on that. And there was a point where, um, one time I was there and I started getting into the emotional aspect of it, but I would notice, and I'll talk more about this with some of the other evangelical churches I went to. I started to see this really, really emotional side of Christianity where you, I almost felt like I was missing out on something because I would see these people having these emotional reactions and emotional responses from listening to the music or uh, being caught up in the spirit as they would understand it. And I felt, I started to question like, am I missing something? Like, do I not? I mean, they obviously have the concept of being saved and everything. And, um, you know, like the once saved, always saved doctrine and everything, which I'll talk about in a minute. But it always made me feel a little inadequate that I wasn't having these grand emotional experiences. So I remember one time I was up at, uh, I was at this Pentecostal church and they were doing an altar call. Those are big in Pentecostal churches. And uh, so they were doing an altar call and wanted everybody. So you come up to the altar, you get prayed over and everything. So I walk up to the altar and I was like, you know what? I was feeling it. I was like, maybe I'm feeling it. I'm not sure, but I think I am. So I'm, you know, I'm gonna go up there. I'm gonna see what's going on. People are getting slain in the spirit, right? So they get prayed over, and then they just, whoa! The spirit took them, and they fell to the ground. You know, it was, it was my first experience with that, and I didn't really know what to think. And so, I go up to the front, and as uh, the pastor comes to me, two people, kind of bodyguards, come behind me, presumably to catch me, if I fell. And if I was slain. And so I was like, okay, cool. Pastor's coming over. He's getting ready to pray for me. He kind of puts his hands on my shoulders and I'm closing my eyes. I'm like, yeah, yes, Lord, just pray for me. I, I need guidance and da 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 da. And he's praying over me. And then after like this two minute long prayer, it happens. It happens. I'm slain in the spirit. And by slain in the spirit, I mean, the pastor put his hands right on my shoulder, one on the right, one on the left, and he pushed me. <laughs> he pushed me backwards and I fell right into the bodyguards who lowered me to the ground. <laughs> and I had my hands over my stomach. And I was like, this is actually kind of nice. I'm just going to take a nap. Because I didn't really know what was what was going on? Like, I, you know, if this is what people meant by being slain in the spirit, I was like, this is just a hoax. This is phony. Like, I really don't know what that means or what that meant. Now, no offense to anybody who has experienced that kind of charism or that's that spiritual experience at the time. I, I didn't know what to make of it. And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be able to articulate it as well then as I would later in my journey, but uh, it, it, I was hitting on a very fundamental aspect of my journey, which was this idea of the subject of emotional experience, right? Uh, this idea that uh, 
is the subject emotional experience, the subjective emotional experience that you're experiencing, is that truly objective? Like, is it is it a function of reality that is, is actually happening to you? Or is it literally something that you could just have easily made up in, in kind of a closet, so to speak? It, was it truly subjective to the point where it was universal, like other people don't have those kinds of experiences? Um, and I was really on the search for objective truth um, implicitly at the time, you know, I started the startings of that uh, were there, but I didn't really know what to make of them, what direction to go, what questions to ask. Um, it didn't, God hadn't gripped me at that point in my journey yet, but uh, it was at that point that I made the move and the decision um, shortly after a, I had an interesting, uh, interesting uh, encounter with my dad as I was dating this girl, I was going to her church and then the Catholic church. And some Sundays I just go to her church, and I didn't. Re- I saw it as, well, I'm I'm still going to church, Dad. Like, leave me alone. And he had pulled me in his room, and he he made a comment. He's like, "Is this going to become a habit?" And I was like, "Is this going to become a habit? I'm going to church, Dad." Like, and I didn't get it at the time, and he didn't know what to say at the time. I just said, "Dad, like, I'm trying to follow God. I I feel." called or led at this point, you know, to be able to go here. I wasn't now, mind you at the time, I wasn't stopping going to the Catholic church. It still was, but I just enjoyed the preaching. I enjoyed how they taught. I enjoyed the music more in these uh, functions. And it would later be coined when I would finally make my decision to leave the Catholic church. I coined it under this umbrella of, I just wasn't being fed at the Catholic church. And I felt like I was being fed more at these evangelical churches. And uh, it was at that point, shortly after this girlfriend, I was going to another uh, local congregationist, congregationalist church, a community church. And it was at that point that I, uh, I left the Catholic church. I left under the premise. And I hear, the reason why, and this, is, this can be really confusing for people because... Um, a lot of people wonder, like, well, why did you leave the Catholic Church? Like, why, you know, it's one true faith or, or whatever the reasons are for staying in the Catholic Church. Why did you leave the Catholic Church? And I remember when people would ask me that question, I always felt like I had to stand up for myself. Like I had to justify my reasons for leaving the Catholic Church. And I felt like I always had to defend the Catholic Church, too, at the same token. And I felt that way because I didn't really have a good reason to leave and it, I guess I suppose it felt kind of shallow. The reason that I was leaving was because I felt like the preaching sounded better and spoke to me more. And I felt like the music resonated with me more. It sounds so shallow, like as reasons to leave a church. Like it sounded stupid when you really, when I think about it now in the context of my understanding of the faith. But I always felt like when somebody would ask me, and I would say, well, I, I have nothing against the Catholic Church. I I didn't leave for doctrinal reasons. I I. I I have nothing against what they believe. <laughs> I just left because uh, I felt like I was being led, like the Spirit was leading me here. And I felt like, uh, and, and I found out later in, in my journey that you can use that justification for just about anything. Spirit led me to do that. Spirit told me to do that. And nobody, nobody is, can really put that against you or hold the light against you. I mean, I guess supposedly somebody could if they found it explicitly stated in scripture, like, 
you know, don't do that. And if you were actually a believer in the Bible, like you might take it seriously. But uh, you could justify just about anything in the spiritual life when, when you use that as your, your justification. The Spirit led me to do this or to do that. And, um, and it wasn't until later in my journey that I really found out what that meant and realized that I was kind of using it as an excuse. And that's where that subjective experience became so important. I was like, um, you know, either something's true or something's not. Uh, and when it comes comes to it, and it, the only real reason to kind of move them from one faith to another is because you found something that is true or truer than what you were previously doing or seeing. It's the only reason why somebody should get involved in religion or go to a church, is if they what they see being taught, they believe is true. There's no other reason to <laughs> get involved in in any kind of religion uh, unless you firmly believe it's true. So anyways, that's where I'm going to leave uh, this particular part of my testimony. I'll pick up next week uh, with my time away from the Catholic Church and everything I uncovered and was learning about. And uh, and then the week after, we'll, we'll wrap things up. So hopefully it's beneficial. If you haven't already, hit the like button. Pound the subscribe button like you mean it so you can get more of this awesome content. And I will catch you next week. Have a good week, guys. Thanks.